Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. I'm your host, Spen. Nick is in France for the week, because why not? But we have two excellent guest hosts filling in for him today. Our first, you may recognize from many references to her on the show, she's making her second appearance ever on Fireside Nets, my fiance, Victoria Garcia, Victoria, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. How are you? You know, I'm doing excellent. I had an amazing dinner cooked by this beautiful chef. Maybe you've heard of her. It was you. You made me some veal cutlets, some fried eggplant, and um, also we had uh, a delicious mushroom risotto. And on top of the fried eggplant, you made an avocado tomato salad. Are you proud of the work that, that you created tonight? I'm very proud. <laughs> Any, anything to add? Could have been a little less fried. Could but. have been a little less fried, but look, you're a creative chef. Your mind went someplace. I enjoyed the meal nonetheless, and we have a ton of leftovers. So we're going to have some veal sandwiches for lunch tomorrow. But we got to get to the Brooklyn Nets. They had a game tonight. If you're listening on Tuesday, it was last night. Uh, the second half of a back-to-back, -back, they played the Chicago Bulls. 118-95 to was the final score. The Bulls defeated the Nets. The Nets and Steve Nash summed it up best. They couldn't put together four good quarters. Uh, that second quarter, they looked elite. They outscored Chicago 30-16. to 16. Um, The defense was great. You know, LaMarcus Aldridge came up huge for them off the bench. 19 points for him in 23 minutes, 8 of 13 from the field, 7 rebounds. He was excellent tonight. Kevin Durant continues to amaze us with 38 points. 13 of 24 from the field, 9 of 9 from the line. He added 10 rebounds with that. But that was the only quarter that the Nets won tonight. The Bulls outscored the Nets 35 to 27 in the first, 25 to 21 in the third. And then finally, they put a whomping. Is whomping a word? No, whopping. Whopping? Yeah, but that's not what I'm trying to say. They beat the crap out of the Nets in the fourth quarter, 42 to 17. That's really where the game got out of hand, especially in the beginning of the quarter. The Nets were playing without Kevin Durant and James Harden. They were trying to steal some time. But Alex Caruso and the, the Bulls just steamrolled through the Nets in the beginning of that fourth. And then once the starters came in, the game was pretty much over. Um, I want to give credit to Dusanmu, the rookie in 20 minutes for the Bulls, had 15 points, seven rebounds. He was crazy on defense. He was stifling. Uh, he was a plus 22 for the game, the best out of all these guys. He did score a little bit in garbage time, but Dusanmu and Alex Caruso really propelled the Bulls to this victory in the fourth. Um, Caruso only had five points, but two steals, two assists for him. And then, you know, you go through the usual suspects for the Bulls. Levine had 24. DeRozan had 28. Javante Green, Vucevic, Lonzo Ball all finished with 11. And um, Lonzo Ball had three assists. Vucevic, I'm sorry, Vucevic had 13 rebounds. He was pretty cold for most of the game, actually. I was very happy with the job the Nets did on Nikola Vucevic, who's killed the Nets in the past. But too much DeRozan, too much Levine. And in that fourth quarter, too much Caruso and too much Dusanmu. Victoria, you watched the game a little bit. Tell me what you think about the city of Chicago in general. Is that a place that you want to go to with me, possibly on a vacation? 
Yeah, I would love to have some uh, deep dish pizza in Chicago. <laughs> some deep dish pizza in Chicago. That sounds pretty good. We're going to have a guest on later in the show, huge foodie. Uh, this is going to be the only game that Victoria is helping me break down. So, Victoria, we look at the Nets box score tonight. 11 of 33 from three-point range. That's 33%. Not great for them. They they barely shot 40% from the field tonight. What do you think went wrong for, for Brooklyn, especially in the fourth quarter? I wouldn't really know because I was washing the dishes as you were watching the Nets game. So Oh, wow. Okay. Hard, hard for me to uh, tell you exactly what went wrong. And I would like to know who dried those dishes after they were washed and put them away. All right. I'll give you credit where it's due. Give me credit where it's due. Look, I'll tell you why the Nets lost this game. Second half of a back-to-back, you're coming in after a win against Toronto. This is your third game in four days. You played Friday, you played Sunday, you played tonight. The second quarter, you essentially gave everything you had. That was the best quarter of the night. Aldridge went off. Durant was going off. Bembry. I want to give credit to DeAndre Bembry. This is a guy who's come in in these last few games for Brooklyn, and he's given the Nets a spark. Four points for him in 17 minutes. He did have two steals. He had a great read on a on a basically a pass in the backcourt where he picked it off and went for the fast break dunk um but that third quarter if you're the nets that third quarter was so important you needed to win that and you didn't you got outscored by chicago by four you were up one headed into the fourth nash tried his luck with it with a bench lineup that didn't include kevin durant and james harden and you and you got outmatched you got outmatched by a chicago team that tonight i don't know if all the time they're more deep but tonight Chicago is the deeper team. Their reserves came up and just just outplayed the Nets' reserves. Not a great game from one of your favorite players, Victoria, Joe Harris. He he shot three of seven from the field, nine points. He was a minus 23, a few lapses in defense. He's still um, handsome. He's still handsome. Or are, you, are you disappointed with Joe in the fact that he didn't eclipse 10 points tonight? I'm very upset with him. Yeah? What, what would you say to him if he were in person right now? Just do better. Just do better. Listen, I – I can't think of more sound advice than just do better. Another guy that could have used that advice tonight, Patty Mills. Patty Mills came in to this game. Very streaky, but he's been picking it up the last few games. Two of nine from the field, one of five from three for five points. Got to give the Nets more than that. If, if you're going to be one of the first guys off the bench, you're a sharpshooter. You're a three-point specialist. You can create your own shot when you need to. Um, two, of, two of nine from the field is unacceptable. So do better for Joe Harris, do better for Patty Mills. And then the only other guy I'm going to talk about on Brooklyn is Blake Griffin. Coming off of uh, his best game of the season uh, last night against the Raptors or two nights ago, if you're listening on Tuesday, he was bad tonight. Two points, one of five from the field. You're seeing sort of a pattern with with these guys and Patty Mills and, and Blake Griffin. I always forget Blake Griffin even plays on the Nets, to be honest with you. I feel like he just came onto the Nets and that was that and wasn't really a thing. He is a net. Um, and it definitely was a thing. It's still a thing. He's still a Brooklyn net, but you can kind of tell age has creeped up on him a little bit this year. He's not last year. He was our spark plug. He was the guy who would bring the energy, the activity. And he also hit a lot of shots last year. This year he's had a lot of games early on where he struggled to find his shot. Teams are going to leave Blake Griffin open. If he can hit that three point shot at 35 to 40%, it's tough to justify why Blake Griffin is starting over LaMarcus Aldridge. So, look, there's not a ton I want to take away from this game because this was our first loss in six games. A loss on the second half of a back-to-back against a really good Bulls team 
The Bulls are seven and three. They're four and two at home. They were well rested. Um, and they really they gave us a punch in the mouth in that first quarter. You know, they outscored us 35 to 27. The fact that the Nets were even able to be in this game after that first quarter, I was happy to see it. I was happy to see the fight in this in this team, but they just didn't have the gas in that fourth quarter to execute. You can tell they were fatigued, they were tired, they weren't executing, their shots were were falling short. Um, it was just one of those nights for the Nets. One other guy I wasn't crazy about tonight, Bruce Brown. Tough game for BB. No points. O of eight from the field. O of one from three. Two turnovers. He was a minus twenty-eight. Tough night for Bruce Brown. Um, this was just a tough night overall. If you're a Nets fan, you had three guys who had somewhat decent games: Aldridge, Kevin Durant, and I don't even know if you want to call what James Harden did decent. I mean, Harden had 14 points, eight rebounds, five assists. He was four of 11 from the field. There were a few calls early on that he was not getting. Eventually, he, he gets an and one. He does this um, sort of sarcastic celebration. But you can tell, he said after the game that the refs not calling fouls didn't take him out of the game. But it kind of did take him out of the game. He wasn't as aggressive uh, throughout the night, only 11 shots for him, 14 points. That you know, this is a guy averaging 20 a game. He only scored 14. What would be your advice for James Harden uh, after this one? I think he needs to clean up his beard and clean up his act on the court. Wow, clean up his beard and clean up his act on the court. I like that. Okay, the Nets play again on Wednesday against the Orlando Magic. That is an away game. Hopefully, they'll win that one. They'll get back on track. Victoria, thank you so much for coming on the show. Do you have anything you'd like to say to the listeners before you head off? Let's go Nets. Let's go Nets. Let's go Nets. Let's go Nets. Our second guest co-host of this episode, you may know him from Bad Weather Fans, the podcast he does with Alex B., or the Mike Delivers podcast, an incredible show about food and experiences as an Uber Eats delivery driver, making his third appearance on Fireside Nets, which is more than any other recurring guest we've ever had, Mike Berseglia. Hey, my cat is licking the wall behind me. What's up, man? How are you doing? I'm uh, excited to talk a little Nets. You know I love doing that. You texted me the agenda and the rundown. It was like, Boy, if there was something in the whole world I could talk about, it's that. If anything else, eh, maybe not. But but I'm your guy for this topic, these topics. We've had a great week as Nets fans. Probably our best week of the season. We're going to get into that. But before we do, I mean, how does it feel? You know, three times on the show, more than any other guest. This is an accomplishment in itself. Yeah, it really feels great. Uh, And you might have to cue the music to walk me off the stage. First off, I'd... I'd like to thank you for for having me on this podcast. I appreciate that. I enjoy listening to you and your brother when I'm not hosting. Uh, I'm enjoying the Nets insight that you do provide. But when he's not here, I'm happy to do it. I'm trying to think back, and I can't remember now. How did you and I even get hooked up? How, how did that happen? I have no memory of this. Like, what did I contact you? Did you contact? I, I don't remember. I asked you about podcast pros. Yes, that's, that's right. How it started, now I remember. You're right. I just, yes. I, I have no shame. I'll ask anybody about anything. And you told that's me right. about it. I was like, nah, it's not for me. But hey, you're a Nets guy. Let's do a show together. That's right. That's right. Now I remember. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I could have put that together. And and you can that's thank right. me or you can thank my dipshit brother Nick for missing his like fifth show this year. He he honestly, 
I don't even know if he likes doing the podcast at this point. I think he just does it to amuse me. Yeah, I think he he dips away because he likes listening to you and I together. And he's like, wow, that's a really, really good chemistry, really dynamic. Why don't I fake that I have to have another event? And then Mike steps in and boy, does the content just go to a whole nother level. Maybe that's his plan. That might be his plan. And by the way, this is coming. This episode is coming right after I took him to the Nets Hawks game on Wednesday. Mm. And how does he show his appreciation by not showing up for the pod? So I, I think that's an excellent segue. We'll we'll start with the Hawks game on Wednesday. We'll talk Pistons and we'll finish up with the Raptors on Sunday. Um, this was an awesome game. You and I were both here at Barclays, 117-108 in favor of the Nets. Um, this was the sixth game of their homestand, and it was probably against the only team that they've played that was really a contender because, you know, they, they beat Philly on the road in game two. And since then, they've had wins over the Pacers, the Pistons, no, no teams that, you know, provide any fear for, for the Nets. But the Hawks this is a great team. Trey Young, John Collins, a lot of weapons. Um, how surprised were you by this sort of dominant win uh, for four quarters for the Brooklyn Nets? You know, it didn't surprise me that they got the W. I guess what surprised me was sort of just the lack of, uh, let me start with this. I thought it was surprising that John Collins didn't have one of those beast mode games. Typically when he plays the Nets, he is dirty. He is dangerous. And I mean, dirty in a good way. Like he just spanks the Nets. I mean, it's always on the glass, crazy dunks, three point shots, but he wasn't a huge force. Trey Young was big early in this game, but he nearly finished with a triple double 21, nine and 10, but it never felt as if he was had his imprint on the game where he was able to dominate and take over. And and this is the trend that I'm sure we'll talk about here today is these Nets third quarters have been brilliant. They are just, they are taking advantage of the opponent in the third quarter and coming out and just blasting these teams. And we saw it again in the third with Kevin Durant with the brilliant ending, hitting the three point shot off that nice Patty Mills, uh, nice underhand little pass that he had over to KD who hit the three and they, and, and the biggest takeaway there, also was the, the defense from James Harden was so bad in the first half versus the Hawks, but they made slight changes and it, it really benefited them. Steve Nash got through to Harden in that third quarter and the Nets really just never looked back from there. Uh, so I don't know if I answered your question. I rambled a little bit about the Nets, but to answer your question, a little surprised. But, uh, you know, I, I think, too, it's I'm not used to being the good team and it's still like we've got Kevin Durant this stuff's going to happen. So I, I, maybe I shouldn't be as surprised, but at the same time, you know, I'm very thankful for all the W's that, 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 that this team gets. I don't care what time of year it is. No, I appreciate, we welcome ramblings on this show, especially when it's about the Nets. Um, what I was surprised with was the fact that you're right. In that third quarter, we held Atlanta to 20 points and we put up 34. That was the difference in the game. I mean, KD, as you brought up, he was electric, 32 points on 13 of 20 from the field, two of six from three, seven rebounds, five assists. Uh, he was really the only guy who had a complete game. Harden did not score a lot. He had, I think he had six points headed into the fourth. He finished with 16. He had a huge fourth quarter, hit a few big shots for us, 11 assists for him. Um, the Nets got offense in, in a bunch of different places. No one outside of Kevin Durant played great, but Aldridge gave you 10 points. He hit those two three-pointers where, I, you know, I don't know about you, but I was like, holy shit, Aldridge can hit that shot? That was wild. It was awesome. It's been so great to see his uh, season so far. Now, he's shooting it at like 102%, and we know that's going to come down. Like, he's going to miss shots. But right. his mid-range game right now 
Automatic. me on an Uber Eats delivery, you know what's going in. Like it's he's been unbelievable. So much fun to watch, and he's provided just such a nice backbone to that second unit, which has been really good. That was the game. Finally, James, uh, excuse me, Joe Harris got off the schneid a little bit. He was able to hit and connect six three pointers, and that really makes a difference for this team when he's connecting on three. Their offense just kind of buzzes at a different level, and it was great to see him get off early, hit those three-point shots, and he's not I, – I, I think that's been his best game of the season, but you can see now the progression from him. He's starting to get in a little bit of a rhythm, and I'm not like – I'd like to say I see these things, but people tell me his defense has improved as well. Joe's done a better job on the defensive side, and, and you know, just kudos to Joe on that game was was nice to see, and that third quarter was – whoo. Their, de- their defense has been good this year, which is yes. like – they kind of have a good defensive team. What do you say? I was like, what? Yes. Good de- offense. Like last season, unbelievably electric this year. Offense is fine. Defense is good. We will, we will get into the blue collar boys club later in the episode. Um, But I want to get back to Joe Harris. I said to my brother right before when he hit, I think he hit one or two threes in the first quarter. Might've been more. I said, his number is six. If he can get to six, mm. it'll just do so much for his, mental health for for his well-being he'll be able to to carry this over into the next few games lo and behold he goes six of eight from three and you know there's a certain feeling in the arena when he hits a three Mm -hmm. as opposed to when anybody else hits a three and it's just this feel good he's our homegrown guy he's the lone remaining net from those d'angelo russell spencer dinwiddie uh teams so when he when he puts on you know, there's a piece of me that gets super excited because he's not someone we acquired in the last two years, or he's not some big time free agent. This is a guy who came out of nowhere from Virginia, was on the bench on those Cavaliers teams early in his career, and now he's a legitimate weapon for the Brooklyn Nets. It was nice to see him kind of go off for a game 18 for him. And then we also got a strong performance from Patty Mills, five of nine from the field, four of seven from three. Um, he's he has seemed to be picking it up as of late, because I know he had that stretch after he went crazy in the first two games. He had like a two or three game stretch where he was pretty cold. So this was a good bounce back game for Patty Mills as well. And I, I, you know, for me, I used to work at the University of Virginia. I didn't technically work there, but I worked for the Virginia Sports Radio Network. And Joe Harris was one of the players I saw get recruited, play four years at Virginia and then make the NBA. And I was like, he's good. We'll see what happens. So to see that progression from where he started even then is just remarkable. So that's even just kind of wild to see on that front. But, uh, yeah, him getting to that sixth spot is really interesting. I agree with you on that front. And then also there always seems to be momentum threes with him, like because if the ball's moving, it's kind of whipping around, and there's Joe in the corner, and you get that anticipation from the crowd when he's about to shoot a three. I was like, (gasps) ah! Or, or, (laughs) you know, one of the two. And and I do feel that with Joe. I totally agree with you. And I think now we've kind of settled into what, Patty Mills is he's streaky offensively we see that but he also isn't scared to shoot he provides that leadership off the bench and he like I want to wake up in the morning like Patty Mills comes off the bench like I want to just wake up jump to the sky and be like we're gonna have a great day today I might make mistakes I might not do everything perfectly but damn it I'm gonna try my best I love what I've seen from Patty he's been awesome does he have a cool nickname? Because I want to call him the Energizer Bunny, but I don't. I don't know if that's disrespectful or if or if they already call him that. Like he, you're right, he comes off the bench, and I've never seen someone so ready to just get into the action. He moves like a hundred miles a, mm-hmm. per hour a minute. It's wild. 
Yeah, and he's always like giving high fives to his teammates. He's always like pumping people up when he's on the bench. He just has good vibes all around him and good energy. I, I don't know if, if if calling him the Energizer Bunny. I, I mean, is it a you know? I don't want to offend. I don't think it's Energizer Bunnies. I, just, I don't know what kind of man who plays in the NBA wants to be called a bunny. That's all. yeah, that's fair. Well, I mean, like if you're like, hey, he hits a lot of bunnies, like like shooting, but not like. Not like physically hitting yeah. animals. You like, know, I'll call like him, a bunny, I'll, like a little I'll shot. Call the, I'll call him the Energizer Rabbit. Let's go with that. <laughs> All right. Um, if I hear anybody else, I'm going to make sure to direct them towards you because you started that. Thank you very much. Uh, a few more game notes, then we can move on. DeAndre Bembry, nice 15-minute performance from him. Eight points on uh, two of four from the field. Went to the line a few times, but I, I've said this in previous episodes. He's like that Bruce Brown off the bench at this point. He gives you some energy. Um, he had these two terrible turnovers down the stretch, and, and Nash had to pull him. But outside of that, strong performance from him. Uh, the Nets shot 46% from three in this one, 49% from the field. Just a strong offensive performance from them. Like you said, the ball was moving in this game. It was good to see that. Um, DeAndre Hunter had an unbelievable night. He just couldn't miss 10 of 11 from the field. He was six of six from downtown for 26 points outside of Trey young. He was the only really scoring option for them down the stretch. And then, like I said, I said this earlier, um, it was nice to see James Harden kind of close out this win for Brooklyn. KD did not have to do too much in the fourth. We kind of relied on Harden. He hit a few shots and that was really all she wrote. Yeah, uh, DeAndre Hunter, by the way, another Virginia guy, so I'll give a shout-out there on that front. But how about KD going back to the Pacer game? He had like, I don't know, 18, I don't know what it was. He had a huge amount of points in the first quarter, and then throughout the game, he only took like three shots in that Pacer win, which got a little ugly towards the end. But there again, it's good to see, now let's fast-forward to the Hawk game, that you don't have to rely on him in those moments that you got some pickups from James Harden and you got the you got as, as we'll talk about you're seeing James starting to pick it up getting that momentum back as he's starting to round into form a little bit more and looking better and you now know which is kind of wild as watching these games you can predict the rotations from Steve Nash so you know it's six minutes when the Nets are playing the Hawks here comes Kevin Durant he's coming in and he's playing what he's doing is he's playing Durant the whole third quarter so I right. think this whole mindset is third quarter, let's get the game. And then fourth quarter, our bench can hold on, but let's get out some big leads in the third. And that's that's kind of been the, the MO for the Nets over the last, or during this five-game winning streak is they just kick your ass in the third quarter. We move on to the Friday night game against Detroit. This was our second time playing Detroit in three games. So the first game we had them figured out. We beat them pretty, uh, pretty easily. This one... A little bit closer, 96 to 90 um, in favor of the Nets. KD went for 29 and 10. He had the, the finishing touches. I remember the drive he had on Isaiah Stewart in the fourth. Um, I'll tell you this. The Pistons, they're a tough team. Cade Cunningham can play. He was the only reason that they were in this in the fourth. He had some big shots down the stretch. Um, but, you know, the, the Nets are just too much for him. 16 points from LaMarcus Aldridge off the bench. I thought he was going to get 20 that game. He ended up with 16 um, a triple-double for James Harden, 13 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. And then you had Blake Griffin, who had 13 points, 5 rebounds, and 3 assists. But uh, I bring up Blake because this is where the Blue Collar Boys Club was born. If, if it wasn't born, it was released to the public on this day. Right. Um, I fucking loved it. I love the fact that they're coming yeah. up. Look, it's early in the season, right? You see what the Lakers are doing. They're sort of sleepwalking through these games. The Nets are coming up with ways to motivate themselves on defense. 
And I just love to see it. You put on the boots, you put on the hard hat. What did you think of the, uh, the blue collar boys club being started from Blake Griffin? Yeah, I love it too, because there is a stigma and this goes around with teams that have high, high priced players and big stars. It's like, Oh, they're just coasting till the playoffs because they know it doesn't matter, whatever. But you've seen from them, they're kind of getting, like you said, and it's a great point. They're motivating themselves. They're motivating themselves on defense. They're building camaraderie as a team together. And that's what you love to see because, you know, the whole, the whole fear going into the season was, well, they don't have Kyrie Irving. Like, how is that the disruption? What is this team going to be like? And let's be honest, if they were losing, there'd be a lot of Kyrie Irving questions, but they aren't and they're winning. And, and a lot of that is the blue collar group boys. They're doing awesome getting, you know, defensive rebounds, putting on the hard hats, picking up the boots. You love to see this stuff and the camaraderie that is built. And it's subtly just such a cool thing to see from this team. This is Blake Griffin, who was like a high rising dunker making a bajillion dollars, who's now said, you know what? I'm going to be that gritty guy on a championship contender who's going to do all the small things and all the details to help my team win a championship. I'm I'm fully in love with it, fully aligned. And, you know, my application is in the mail. So, Blake, please fill it out and let me in the group. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I want to go over, you know, the members and then the guys that are sort of on the border. So Blake confirmed, obviously, Patty Mills is in there. Patty Mills mm-hmm. is someone who plays great defense. He takes charges. You see him putting on his boots every time he, he draws a charge. Um, Kevin Durant, not as much. Here's what Blake had to say on, on Kevin Durant. We notice and we appreciate Kevin's commitment to taking a charge. I don't know if he knows, but the application process takes a while. So mm-hmm. Patty Mills in, Kevin Durant, borderline. What, what do you think of that? Well, I will say I every time Kevin Durant falls or slips or I have a I have a panic attack about it. And I'm like, <gasps> there's a gasp. So as much as I love him taking charges, I don't know if he should be in the group. To be honest, like take the charges when they're needed, but let's not put your body that far on the line. I'm actually okay if his application is denied. Like he doesn't have to get in. Like you don't have to do it. Take it from me. Listen to me. Deny him the application. We need Kevin Durant healthy. Maybe in the playoffs, we can extend something there and all the branch. Let's say something going KD in the playoffs, regular season. You know, I don't want him in there. I'm sorry. Just, just, I, I get worried. I get worried, Spen. I get nervous. I get my my Jewish guilt comes together. I get I just I I don't I don't want it. I just don't want it. No. I wholeheartedly agree with you. And and here's what I love about the situation. So Kevin Durant is a top three or two player. I think he's the best player in the world. He has been for the last 10 years. Um, Blake Griffin, like you mentioned, he's out of his prime, but this is something that Blake can hold over KD. Like I, I just love the fact that the seventh or eighth best player on the team is going to the number one guy. I don't know if you could be in our group. I don't know if you have what it yeah. takes. Sure, you can score 40 a game. Can you draw three charges in the second quarter? I don't know if you I don't know if you're capable of doing that. And remember, like, you know, three or four years ago when we were just excited to be a 43 win team and then we had the whole bench celebrations. It feels similar to that in the idea that there's chemistry, there's camaraderie, these guys actually like each other, this team cares about each other, which shows the way they've been playing defense. It's just a different mindset that they have had from previous years. Like look at last season, this team, they, you know, they, they put there. I remember in a regular season game versus the Hawks where they lost like 143 to 139 and they were brilliant offensively, but they could not do anything on the defensive side. And this team, 
just has such a different mindset. It's so cool to see, starting with this this group from Blake Griffin that I'm going to be in in six days. And, and you got to love it because you've seen Griffin struggling offensively to start the year, and that's really where we thought he'd be able to help us. He's a stretch five. He hasn't been hitting the three as much. Um, he did have one in this game. But, you know, when a guy is struggling on offense, you just like to see them give out a really good effort on defense. And, and Blake's been doing that and then some. I mean, he's been doing a good job covering these bigs. Uh, they, they shut down Isaiah Stewart for the most part. He only had eight points in this one. Um, Olenek had 14, but Olenek always kills us, so I'm not worried about that. Uh, a few other game notes. Um, what did I want to say? Oh, the third quarter. You always talk Another about one. the Nets. 39 points to Detroit's 23. That was awesome. They almost gave it away in the fourth, but they were saved by, by Kevin Durant. Um, yeah, they, they seem to be this third quarter monster that we saw a lot of last year. And what a weird triple-double from James Harden. He went 13, 10, and 10. Three for 10 from uh, three-point, or three for five from uh, the three-point uh, line, but then 0 for five field goals from two. He had a triple-double without making a two-point shot, which was like one of only four players in NBA history to do that, which is just simply crazy stat. Harden, you see him, though, getting a little bit, getting people involved, starting to get a little bit better. And then the big explosion that we'll talk about with Toronto. But I thought that was interesting. And then, yeah, that third quarter, man, that 39-23, it's just you expect it now. And now when they come out into the third quarter, you expect it, which is so weird because in years past, they'd be like, oh, it's the third quarter. It's this quarter. Here comes something negative. But for the first time, it's like, okay, fuck you. Oh. We're good. Let's do it. <laughs> fuck right? you. We're good. That was very well said. You're welcome. Um, Harden, Harden over, almost had a quadruple double. He ended yeah, up that's nine, true. Nine turnovers. You yeah. want to see that number down like seven or I eight? I agree. Is what it is. Do you um, think? I, can I ask yeah. you this? You think sure. at that point when you have the nine turnovers, you're like, let me just get one more. I get the quadruple double, and then all my you know fantasy lovers they get bonus stats for that. You think you're at nine? You're just like, eh, let's just let me let me. I don't know. Uh, see the ball go over half court and just not go for it. You know, do that kind oh. of thing. Or, or just hold the ball in shot clock violation as the game ends. Uh, yeah, I would have loved to see him get that 10th turnover. I mean, it would have been very fitting, uh, especially with the way he's been so up and down handling the ball and, and whatever. His assist to turnover ratio must be wild right now because he's, he's getting like three to four turnovers a game. But the final thing I want to say uh, about this game is if the Nets are going to add anybody else to the Blue Collar Boys Club, who is that next guy? Bambry? Yeah. I like or Bruce that. Brown? I would, I would probably say Bambry. Um, I feel like Bruce Brown's been focusing on his offense more this nice year. Nice little floater, yeah. Yeah, he's looked good. Uh, I want to see him hit that three-point shot a little bit more consistently. It was funny. I don't know how early you were at the game, but me and Nick watched Bruce Brown uh, pre pregame, and he hit like 20 baseline threes in a row. Oh, yeah. And it just goes to show you how different it is when these guys are practicing. Like, he did not miss. Every, me and Nick are like, oh, he's going to go for like 40 tonight. And uh, he, he did not shoot uh, the, the three-point ball well in that game. Um, we're going to get to this Raptors game in a second. But, yeah, if Bruce Brown can improve that shot, I think he'll see his minutes go up a little bit. Um, yeah. No, yeah. I, I completely agree with that. And it is true, though, just how good these guys are at shooting. Do you remember there was, like, the Steph Curry video from a couple years ago, or maybe last year, where he went around the horn and he made, like, five minutes straight of making three-point shots? It is remarkable just how good these guys are. And yeah, when you put them on a court with pressure and with other guys defending you, that's when you shoot 42%, which is still unbelievably ridiculous. And, you know, I know how good of a basketball player you are in the leagues you play in. So, I mean, and, and I know you give you space. You're not going to miss those jumpers. So just imagine what it's going to be like for Bruce Brown. 
Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Um, I would like to think relatively to my intramural team, I'm a better shooter than Bruce Brown, but I'm just, you know, comparing my game and his game. He's much better at the floaters, and I think he's got a little bit higher of basketball IQ than me, but uh, we'll see. We'll never know. I mean, unless he wants to do a shooting competition with me, I'm all for that. That would be pretty cool, though, if Bruce Brown showed up to your intramural league and he was on your team. You guys would win the championship. I think I think we would. Although the team we played in the championship, I don't want to. They're really good, so I don't know if even having Bruce Brown would have gave us an advantage. Um, we are going to talk about this Nets Raptors game. It, it was played on Sunday at what was a three thirty start time. Yeah, um, they won one sixteen to one hundred three. I was at the Giants game Sunday, so I missed the the first half of this. I got back for the second half, but I was fairly intoxicated from like the 10 to 15 cores lights I had throughout the day. So you're going to have to walk me through what happened, how we won this game. And uh, I'll try to fill in with what I remember. Okay. First question. Uh, did you pee at the game? Uh, no, I literally stayed in my seat. The Whoa. only time we got up was to go to a bar that sucked. I don't know why we left the seats to go to an in-stadium bar that was crowded. We had like one or two beers there. It was the kid whose seats it, it was. That was his idea. So I did it, but no, I did not pee. One, uh, I peed at the very end of the game. All right, last thing, and then, I'll, and then I'll focus it back to Nets, but this intrigues me a lot. A lot of Raider fans? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. We had, like, so we had a tailgate of, like, 30 guys. There were, like, three Raiders fans there. Every mm. fucking 10th person might have been a Raiders fan. They travel it. very well for an organization. Oh, yeah. And for this Nets game, similar to what we saw in the third quarter, again, 35-17 to 17 was the difference in this one. The Raptors had a really good second quarter where they outscored the Nets by 10. But that third quarter, again, was just fantastic for the Nets. And they just come out, and they're defending, they're guarding. Another spectacular game for KD. He had 31 points, but this was by far James Harden's best game of the season. He had 28 points, and he made a lot of clutch fourth-quarter shots. Got some offensive rebounds that was really helpful. And Blake, 14 and 11, started to finally hit that three-point shot. We know that that's not been happening for him. Uh, taking charges, Patty Mills with 13. It was just a well-rounded game for this Nets team. And I, I, I can't get over how well they just defend the basket. Like, Toronto had difficult shots, hands in their faces. And credit to Tim Capshaw, Nets color analyst. He does these videos on Twitter, which have been really interesting to watch. But the Nets in the past, they, they, they did all this switching whenever there was a, a you know a guard up top with a forward or anybody on a pick and roll. They're not doing as much switching at the top of the key now. And if you watch these videos, they're sagging back. And it's made a huge difference defensively where they're not allowing as many easy shots on the perimeter and in the paint. And this little adjustment from Steve Nash and the coaching staff, maybe this is a Steve Clifford thing. I don't know. But it's been a, it's been a really nice adjustment. And again, kind of just staved off the Raptors, got it close at the end to about seven-ish, but never really in doubt as Harden and Durant always seem to come up with clutch shots. Harden played the entire fourth quarter as well, and Durant got his 36 minutes. You know what my favorite part of James Harden's stat line was in this one? What was it, turnovers? Two. Just yeah. two turnovers. That is huge. If he's going to give you 28, 10, and 8, and just two turnovers, and you're going to get 30-plus from Kevin Durant, you don't need much else. You, this you're pretty much set. This team wins when they don't turn over the ball and they rebound. If they do those two things, that they'll be fine. Like everything else will be okay. They don't have to be all world beaters on the perimeter or make everything. They can miss shots. If they don't turn over the ball and they rebound, they're going to win basketball games and they'll, they'll be unstoppable. And I don't care 
if this is the roster. This team is good enough with the roster. If they do those two things, and those were two things they did not, especially the rebounding, they did not do last year as well. But this this year, you can see a more concerted effort to get on the boards. Lamarcus Aldridge has made it different. He's not the you know the greatest rebounder of all time, but he's a big body back there that can get to loose balls. And uh, you know, I'll say this: Bembry has been so good defensively. He's been such a fun addition. He, like you said, when this episode started. He, f- he feels like the Bruce Brown of last year where they they traded for Bruce, but you were like, ah, we don't really know what we have. Now it's like Bruce Brown has to be part of this team. Uh, you get the same feeling, even if it's only through 10 games, that DeAndre Bembry is uh, certainly a, a, a core part of this rotation. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. And I think back to last year when we would have these games against much lesser opponents, the Raptors, the Pistons, the Pacers, they always gave us a run for our money. It was so much closer last year, and in years past, we'd lose some of these games. I, the Raptors, for some, I think last year oh. they had our number one, one or two games, and it's just nice to see. Look, if you're an offensively great team, you can obviously go cold from the field, but if you're defensively sound, that just doesn't go away. That stays throughout the season. So, it, it, you know, and I don't think it's a coincidence the fact that when the Nets were were losing early on this season, Bruce Brown wasn't starting and Bembry wasn't playing. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, Nash makes those adjustments. Now we're on what a five game win streak is it? Mm-hmm. So very interesting. Um, you brought up Blake Griffin. It was good to see him going. I mean, four of six from three is is what you. It's a little bit better than what you expect, but you like him to be around that that area. Um, and then we also held the Raptors to twenty three percent from three point range. That's just that's just good on us for protecting the three point line. Uh, we ourselves shot at forty five percent from three and fifty two percent from the field. So, uh, a few great games of offense, but you know, like we've been talking about, our, our defense is really the reason that we're we're keeping these games extremely close for the most part, and then pulling away in the in the fourth quarter. Nice not to see Kyle Lowry. Won't lie, but he'll oh, yeah. be a pain in the ass in Miami. So I get that he already has been, but he is another net killer. So I, it was it was nice to see him not there in the fourth quarter for Toronto. I felt a little more comfortable about that. All right. That was excellent. Breaking down some Nets games with you. Are you ready to talk food? Let's do it. Okay. So in the past, I've done a rapid fire with my guests. But for you, Mike, you're a third-time recurring guest. You're not getting a rapid fire. You're getting 10 important food questions that will tell you everything that you need to know about Mike Biseglia. Nice. I am super excited for this. All right, we'll start with number one. And I'm serious. I'm very excited. Oh, I, I didn't think you were being sarcastic. I know how <laughs> okay. much you love food. Okay. You and your wife are out to dinner at a local Italian restaurant. How many food items are you ordering? Feel free to break it down by app, main course, and or sides and desserts. Now I'm with her because it, it, depending on who I'm with has a whole different dictation of where I'm going with this. Just your wife. You don't even have to give me the dishes. I just want to know the number, the breakdown. Yeah, we're gonna. The way we'll do it was we'll do a we'll do a salad, we'll do an appetizer, and we'll do an entree, and we'll split that in half. And we like doing that too because then you get to try a little bit of everything. Now, if we're really feeling like let's go for it, this is gonna be a big night, honey. I would then say let's go for a second app. If this place is known for pizzas, I'd love to have pizza in there. We're really big on doing an app salad and a pizza and any leftovers then can become next day's lunch or another dinner at a certain time. But Italian restaurant, I will have to go with salad, app, and an entree, and we split it. And if we're drunk, maybe a second entree if I can convince her. Because then it's like, let's, let's, let's do a pasta and then a protein, and I'm into that as well. Like, let's go. I, I love hope that, that was answer. Okay, no, that, that was perfect. Um, like, when you asked me the net questions, I was like, I don't really give a shit what anybody <laughs> thinks. 
you're asking me these food things. I'm like, I got to nail these. No, that was, that was good. I, um, one of my, you know, I had a meal with two of my friends out at the Italian restaurant near my house a few weeks ago. And, um, you know, we got it. We got like one or two apps to split between the three of us. We all got an entree. And my one buddy, they had the Neapolitan personal pizzas. And he goes, why don't you just throw that in as an appetizer? And mm. I was like, oh, mind blown. Because we each get a slice and then we get our crazy heavy pasta cream dishes. So that was awesome. I could eat with this guy. I like that. That's next level <laughs> thinking. That's, that's a good that's, job by That's him. my Italian buddy from Fort Lee. That's, that's, mm. that's Jersey Joe right there. Where were you? Uh, om Om. And uh, right, it's attached to my apartment complex in Englewood. Okay. Okay. Nice. All right. Number two. That was a hefty number one. Number two. During the dinner that you're out with your wife at the Italian restaurant, the pepper boy comes by and offers fresh pepper. Do you say yes? And if so, how many twists of pepper are you allowing before you say stop? I'm going to go with typically zero pepper. Okay. I, I think this is my opinion. If the food is on point, the you don't need the pepper. Like at this point, if it's already gone back to the kitchen, they brought it out. If the pepper was needed to begin with for this dish, it should have been added and be on the menu. To me, this is a gimmick just to spice it up a little bit, and I don't really love that. Now, if I now if I see it and I'm like this this dish could use some pepper, I didn't do a good enough job on Yelp on the Zagat book or whatever, figuring out what I need to get here. Then I'll add a little pepper. But at this point, if you need to add pepper, you did a bad job pre-gaming and figuring out the dish you should get. You think it's a gimmick that the guy walks around with fresh pepper and he goes up to everybody and says, isn't, doesn't that add the, the, the flavor to the dish? Isn't that supposed to be added? Well, my point is, if this is the way it should be, if you go to a restaurant that knows what they're doing, they'll put the pepper on there already or not because it doesn't need it. We don't need no. schlubs like us making these decisions. I, I, it should be done by the staff, damn it. Now you're making, this is how passionate, and the Knicks stink. I understand the rationale you're you're presenting to me, but Mike, it, this is dangerous territory. You're shitting on pepper boys everywhere. Well, you're I'm basically not, saying I'm, anybody who's a pepper boy should not have a job because it's a gimmick and the food should be prepared a certain way where you shouldn't well, need a pepper fair. boy to add that's more fair. pepper. That's fair. I, I don't want to get somebody out of a job that's been twisting pepper for their whole life and they've got a really nice stroke with their wrists. I don't need that gone. So I, I respect that. But if we could redistribute the pepper guy or gal to another location, let's try to figure that out. Okay. And before we move on, I just want to be clear. This podcast is a pro pepper podcast. Okay. We don't discriminate against the people that handle the pepper. All right. Moving on. Question number three. This is a little bit easier. What is your favorite homemade meal and how often would you say you have said meal? Oh, so is this something I'm cooking? Or just anybody in general in the house? This is going to be someone related to you. Um, yeah, let's go with that. Or a All family right, well, friend, this, anybody. Okay, well, at this point, it's just me and my wife. So my wife's cooking for me. And we do, so what's crazy is we do something called gobble, which is like one of these home cook like kit meals. Sure. So they kind of come prepared and they're just good for us with a little baby, getting these done in 10, 15 minutes. We've kind of narrowed in on the dishes that we like. So I have not had like, eh, like from myself or well, I did make something the other day, but it was kind of like, anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. Uh, but I will say that my wife, when she was making this, I loved it. It, it was tremendous. It was like a, um, a rigatoni with sausage, but kind of had like a pumpkin sauce to it. Now it wasn't, it wasn't like you 
pumpkin out of the can, like mixed together. It was sweet and savory and really worked well with sausage and broccoli rob and a nice rigatoni with a with a um, pumpkin flavor, like a little puree sauce. It was excellent. Very good. Very That's- good that Jesse makes. That sounds really delicious. Um, I'm a pumpkin guy. You know, I know mm. my girlfriend hates pumpkin. Fiance hates pumpkin. Don't don't tell her I said girlfriend. Edit, um, edit. <laughs> but no, you know, I, there, there are people that have a firm stance on pumpkin and I'm someone, I can eat pumpkin all year round. I don't just have to eat it from October to December. It can be absolutely eaten in the summer, the spring, the, the fall, the winter, doesn't matter. So that, that dish sounds amazing, by the way. I'm with you. Like it'll be a hot summer day in August and I'll be at the beach. I'll be like, let's get some pumpkin pies for the table. Like Hell nothing yeah. sounds better. Let's get some pumpkin pies. Give me a pumpkin latte. Let's go right now at the beach. Give me one of those Oktoberfest beers with a hint of pumpkin. I'm with you all pumpkin all the time. I love that. I had a place called pumpkin blossom for lunch today and it mm. is a Korean dumpling joint. Ooh. And it was delicious. I don't even mm. know if they have pumpkin on the menu, but the name of the restaurant is Pumpkin Blossom in Fort Lee. Uh, feel free to look it up, listeners. Okay, we Sounds are moving good. on to, it was delicious. Number four, if you had to pick another state outside of New Jersey and New York to live, strictly based on the food selection, where mm. would that be and why? I definitely would want to, if I could go narrow into the city. Uh, so I will say San Diego. And that means California, but I'll base it strictly off of San Diego. I had such a good time eating there. There's a spot that I love. And if you're ever in San Diego, please go. It's called the OB Noodle House in San Diego. And it's just fresh noodles with, you know, homemade flavors, Chinese food. But they make the most unbelievable fresh noodles I've ever had. It was so much fun we had to wait uh, a little bit for our table and they said they would call me and in my phone i labeled it as best night ever because i had so much fun that night just hanging at the table having drinks a wedding party jumped in there getting back to your question though i love the fish tacos in san diego they are tremendous and i love the obi noodle house and the food scene there on the beach is just so fun so chill that I'll have to go with that, even though I do know there's better food in other places. I've never been to New Orleans, which I've heard through TV shows and people talking is very good. If you like good food, I heard that area in Louisiana is fantastic. Uh, you know, after that, I mean, it's all really, you know, I, I guess it's all really the same outside of this area, which is just more superior. I'm, I'm with you. And the next time in San Diego, I'll definitely stop by Obi Top and Noodle House. It sounds great. Yes, Obi Top, Yes. Um, if I had to pick one other city, uh, my, my uncle lives in San Francisco and they just, they have like food that you could get in New York, but it's on steroids for some reason, Mm. the sushi, the Mexican, everything minus Italian. I'm sure there's good Italian in San Francisco, but the fish, the seafood, everything out there is just so fresh. And it's so, I don't know, there's some, and you know, people in San Francisco are stuck up. They smell their own farts, whatever, but their food is delicious. So I would say San Francisco. Um, all right. Number five, rank the following fried chicken sandwich, top notch burger, or some variation of a steak sandwich, which includes Philly cheesesteak. Uh, steak sandwich last. I don't get those ever. I love steaks. I like sandwiches. I'm like, I'm not a huge fan of putting the two together together. Give me the steak separately. Nice, medium rare. I could eat. I'm not saying I wouldn't eat it, but to me, it's not even close. Okay. Uh, number one is burger. Number two is fried chicken. I love like, I love a great chicken sandwich when it's crispy, juicy, some of these aiolis that's poured on there when it's dripping down your lips and you get that nice 
crunch into the meat. Sorry for the sound effect. Is fantastic. But when you get a burger that's done right, there's nothing better than juicy meat dripping down your face with a nice compliment of a nice smoky bacon and a sharp cheddar with a nice brioche bun. Ah, fuck. Never apologize for the sound effects again because the the sound effects make the description that much better. Um, Where's the best burger you've ever had in Jersey and New York? I mean, if you Mm. had to pinpoint one location. It's the top of my head. I don't know if I have something to answer that. I know you do, so I want to hear what the answer. I don't. I don't know. Well, my my dad would agree with you. By the way, he says any there's nothing in life that's better than than a than a big juicy burger. He he said one of the best burgers he's ever had was at Mineta Tavern in New York City. Hmm. I've never tried it. I think it's it's in some hotel. Um, I'm not a huge burger guy. I respect a good burger. If if you know the occasion calls for it, I'll order a burger. But I'd probably prefer a chicken sandwich. That's just me. I grew up on chicken. I wasn't a big burger guy growing up. But uh, yeah, but both both are very good. Um, yeah, what's up? There is a spot that's in Montclair. It's a French restaurant. They know me there as an Uber driver. One time they gave me free French fries. One of the perks of being an Uber Eats delivery driver. It's great. And they have a burger there that is like, I don't know. They put like duck fat in the meat. And it just comes together so beautifully and I'm very simple with my burgers. I don't like lettuce. I don't like tomatoes. I don't like mayonnaise. I like, I just like cheddar, bacon. And I'll have different variations, but those to me are the three staples. I don't like cold condiments on a hot burger. That's something that annoys me. That's fair. And if if you're gonna eat anything with duck fat, just make sure you order two because I want the other one. <laughs> I, you put duck fat on anything, it just makes it that much better. All right, we are on number six. What is your go-to pizza pie style-wise versus your go-to slice? See, that's such a great question, and I've had so many thoughts about this. First off, I've lived in New Jersey and New York, and this is a sidetrack to your question, but I feel like it needs to be established to go where we're going, okay? Okay. I feel like in New York, they have better buy-the-slice joints, better buy-the-slice places, but if you're going to get like a full pie, New Jersey is so much better. It just... And okay, so I just want to get that out of the way because I know there's probably New York listeners here, Brooklyn, the whole deal. Okay, but <laughs> I, I just flipped off for everyone. Maybe. I just flipped off everybody from New York. Um, but uh, you know, it's I had with you when you when you came to uh, Bloomfield, we went to a spot called um, the Brookdale, and they do a bar side uh, uh, bar pizza, which I'm starting to really get into, and that's my right now. My go-to kind of pizza. I love the grease. I love the fattiness. I love how it's double cooked a lot of times, and I'm really into it. Now, I do love, I as well love the Neapolitan style, and uh, get me to a brick oven is great. But right now, I'm kind of the Detroit style I'm jamming with lately. I had a nice new spot in Montclair the other day that was excellent. Highly recommended it. Uh, Teglia's, it's new, very doughy, soft. Uh, great meatballs on top of there as well. I'm rambling here because food gets me, it gets me going. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm into the bar style right now. I think that's my trendy pick right now. I'm I'm acting real cool. That's what I'm into. And if you're gonna get one slice, what's that slice? The one slice, oh, man. I haven't had. I gotta be honest. I haven't had a good by the slice in a long, long time. I because like yeah. you have to get it reheated, and sometimes it's cold. And then I always I'm like can you put it in for another 60 seconds? And the guy looks at me like, Hey, asshole. Fine. Oh man. I have not had a good slice in a while. Is there any recommendations? I went to Brooklyn, uh, 
to watch the Nets on Wednesday. I was it maybe I'm trying to think it was either that time or the last time, but there's a place in Brooklyn called La Industry. And mm. they do a slice. They put it's a hot, plain margarita slice essentially. I don't know if it's margarita or plain, but they put a little bit of cold burrata on top. And mm. The combination of the cold, creamy burrata, and it's not too much. If you put too much burrata on, it's going to ruin the slice. But the combination of the hot, you know, it's fresh, it's ready with the burrata, it was something that I, I wasn't sure if it would go, and it went perfectly. So if I had to give you my best slice in the last year, it was La Industry in Brooklyn. And everyone, I, I'm sorry, everyone in Brooklyn who's listening knows about La Industry. They're the real hmm. deal. Yeah, I had a slice from Brooklyn. I think it was – I've gone to a couple games, so they might be blending together. But it was it was fine. It was good. I mean, if you know, if I wasn't the snob I am, I I'd love it. But it was it was fine. But again, I have not had like a legit slice in a long time. Okay, we might have to change that before one of these Nets games. Go to the yes. industry together. I'm in. I'm in. All right, these next four questions are really going to make you think, and then I'll let you go for the night. But you know, these are these are four deep thought provoking questions. We'll start with this one, number seven. How many minutes are you willing to cut a delivery driver slack for being late before you get upset and or complain? Hmm. What a really good question. Because I am a really good delivery driver, and I pride myself on being one of the best in Essex County, uh, ranked eighth, I think, by the latest magazines. I would say uh, you have to study their map. So you have to see what they're doing, but good communication is key. If they're letting you know why it's going on, you can accept it, but once it hits a point where there's no activity and there's no engagement from the driver to you, I think anything over five minutes is unacceptable. If they're not communicating to you, hey, the food's not ready. Hey, I had to do this. Hey, communication is key. So I'm 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 that guy because I am you know on the inside. I say five minutes. Okay, that was, that was a great answer. I don't think you're able to get an answer like that from someone who hasn't been that uber delivery driver like like you have Um, years of experience hell yeah number eight steve nash calls you says mike i'm in the mood for something delicious no steak for me since i had a porterhouse for lunch at luger's could be in brooklyn or manhattan i'm in the mood for anything other than steak where are you sending him well i'll be like steve you were just at peter luger's let's go across the street to motorino one of the best pizza spots in the area I don't even have to give you directions. I don't have to have that anxiety on my plate, like send you Google Maps and have you figure that out. I just go, Steve, walk across the street. I'll meet you at Motorino. We'll have a couple pies. We'll talk about your rotations. And, uh, you know, we'll have a good time together. I love it. Yeah, let's go. I love that answer. And for people who are familiar with Motorino, it's an excellent Neapolitan pizza, correct? Uh, Yes. Their owner opened up a new pizza place called Gigi and Mario's in Fort I had it. I think the second week it was open, the pizza was incredible. My bad. Service, service was a little bit eh, but early, gonna, early, early. They only have like two or three people on staff at the time, and um, the place was packed. So I didn't want to, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm sure they've gotten better. That was about a month ago. I'm someone who, who never gives a, a place, you know, shit for bad service. I think everything's relative. As long as you get your food, it's hot. You shouldn't complain. Um, we ordered the fried burrata and it was sold out. So I was I slightly, slightly irked about that. I bet. Um, they, they didn't bring out our wine until after we had finished the salad. Slightly irked about that. I get but that. It's early. I'll give them credit. Gigi and Mario's. That's the chef at Motorino's new restaurant in, uh, it's not in Fort Lee. It's in Edgewater, New Edgewater. Jersey. 
Delicious. Very, very so good pizza. My wife and I do this thing now on Saturday nights because it's like getting cold and dark. We didn't do this last weekend because the weather was good, but we've got to figure out things to do with a 14 month old. So we're driving like a little further than we normally would go. And we're looking at places to try. And that's on our list. Our biggest fear, though, is that we're going to get into like hall and tunnel traffic and not be like we don't want it. We don't we don't mind taking 30 minutes. We just don't want it to be a two hour adventure. But I know exactly where that is. My parents used to live in that complex. So there's a bomb guards right over there. There's I think there's like uh, there is a uh, Chipotle down the street there, too. Yeah, there's a Haagen-Dazs. I think there's a kid's kingdom where kids can throw balls and be dirty. Oh yeah, I know that area. I'm looking forward to trying that pizza. It's on our list. That 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 was a I saw that in your Instagram and kind of freaked out. All right, two more questions. Number 9. What is an extremely popular dish that is universally loved that you don't necessarily understand the hype about? Eggs, I hate them. <laughs> uh all right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I, I hate I mean... them. <laughs> I think they're disgusting. And I have to make them for my son all the time. I'm really good at making them. But I just, I don't see, they just make, they they freak me out. I don't like the texture. I don't like, I don't care. You can make an egg 17 different ways. And I always hear, there's such great forms of protein. It'd be so good for you. I know, I get it. I don't like the egg. I hate the egg. I'll never understand why people like the egg. Although I do like egg and fried rice. So go figure. Ooh, yeah. That's, but don't, but no, don't tell anybody. That's not a bad combination, the egg and the fried rice. Um, there's a few places in Seattle on the West Coast, they're scattered. Uh, they're called like egg slut. You ever hear about that? Ugh. Then there's one. It's like egg bitch. I don't know. It's egg. Ugh. And then insert promiscuous uh, curse word or, or promiscuous person. It's very uh, – they were pretty good. They have like these egg sandwiches. I don't know what makes them slutty or not, but uh, not bad. Not All for right. me. And we have number 10. This is my favorite question on here. Mine too. You're, you're out to dinner with Kevin Durant at Peter Luger's. KD orders a steak well oh, done. No. Oh, God. This results in a fight that he has with the chef <laughs> in which Kevin Durant says, come on, Mike, we're leaving. Let's just go grab Arby's down the street. But as KD gets up to leave, your perfectly cooked steak comes out of the kitchen and arrives at your table. Are you leaving with KD or are you telling him to fuck off and staying to enjoy your steak? I'm going to leave with Kevin Durant. As much as I like steak and as much as I want that steak, it's Kevin Durant, man. I got to be honest. Like Kevin Durant says we're leaving. We're going to Arby's. We're going to get the roast beef. No cheese on that. I like it plain. The original with some of the uh, the horsey sauce. I think horsey sauce. I think you yeah, have at Arby's. Yeah. They now have a new brisket sandwich. It's over there. My wife and I try, tried it in beautiful Carlisle, Pennsylvania on our way to Pittsburgh. Really great location. Uh, yeah, I'd have to say, hey, Kevin, let's stop at the liquor store. You're buying. And now we'll go to Arby's. Let's get drunk. Let's have some roast beef. Let's have an average chicken sandwich. And let's have the time of our life. Yeah, I know it would be tough to leave that steak. But I'm going to pick Kevin Durant. I'm going to pick Kevin Durant. With, but, but that was a beautifully crafted question. I, I, would you not? I mean, you and I have known each other for about a year. And we don't disagree on almost anything. But <laughs> I'm going to have to disagree with you on this one. I'm what? staying. I'm eating that steak. I'm sorry, Kevin. I'll talk to you later. Look, me staying to eat the steak isn't going to ruin our relationship. It's not going to, you know, not talk to me for seven months because I stayed to eat a steak. I'm going to say, hey, you can be pissed off at me for the night. I've, I've gotten in arguments with my friends before. We'll make up in the morning. We won't talk for a week. We'll be fine in eight days. But I am staying. I am eating that steak. I am enjoying, I am enjoying my red wine, the, the Pinot Noir that I ordered with said mm. steak. The cream spinach, the the lobster mac and cheese. I'm eating all of it. And if he's gonna leave 
then I will just sit there. I'll put on some radio or watch the Nets game and eat by myself. Uh, for some reason, the Nets game is on. He's out to dinner at Peter Luger's. That doesn't it's a make back much to back. sense. It's okay. It's, it's a back to back. He's <laughs> resting. But uh, no, that was that was a great answer. I enjoyed that. I actually thought you'd stay and eat the steak. I mean, you're no. someone who loves food. I know. I know. I do love food. But if I mean, I got to be there for Kevin. I'm very loyal. You'll you'll find that out about me. I'm very loyal. I will take care. I will be there for Kevin. And I, you know, it's, we, we have a lot to talk about. We're both people. <laughs> you know, he's <laughs> a little, little better at everything in life than me. But shit, Kevin, let's go. Let's go to Arby's. We'll get a table. You know, we'll make sure everything's clean and safe. And I, I, I do like Arby's. It's fun. I don't think I've ever had Arby's, which is something that has to change soon because I've always been intrigued. But my, my dad's had it. He used to go on the road uh, for his job back in the day. I've never had Arby's. It's fun. Uh, my wife and I are disappointed because for Mike Delivers podcast, we always want to try it. It's it's at a spot that's halfway to Pittsburgh where my uh, in-laws live. And when we go to visit, we make it a point to go to the Arby's as like our halfway point to pee, to clean up and to get lunch and refuel because we can't get it here. And then it's like, oh, we got content you know, for our podcast. We, we do like Arby's for that. All right. And that does it. That was a fun episode. Mike Biseglia, Victoria, my fiance was on earlier. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can the listeners find you? Yeah, I appreciate that. They can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Delivers Pod. I got two podcasts that I'm rocking right now. Mike Delivers Pod, which I talk about my adventures as an Uber Eats driver. I haven't done that as much lately, but it's more. You were on uh, episode 211 or 212 where you came on. And we got into some of your background in food. And then uh, my wife and I on our Patreon page, we actually review foods that we get to our house and we break them all down. And then I have a podcast about basketball. It's a, it's a Nets Knicks podcast. So I do it with a Knicks fan. Mm. And we talk Nets and Knicks. And it, it does make for an interesting dynamic because, you know, we see eye to eye on a lot of topics and we agree on a lot of things. But, uh, you know, I vehemently like I, I just could not dislike a sports team more than the Knicks. Like you've seen it. I saw you were annoyed at my text message the other night. You're like, great win for the Nets. I'm like, yeah, the Knicks are up seven. <laughs> Who gives a shit? But no, it's fun. Bad Weather Fans, the name of the podcast. Bad Weather Fans, shout out to Alex B. He's the co-host. Honestly, Alex is one of my favorite Knicks fans. He's funny. He's got a great personality. And he trolls the Mm. shit out of Nets fans, as he should. Me and him exchanged DMs the other day because I I, I sent him a tweet. I'm like, you're one of the biggest, like, top five Nets trolls on Twitter. And he sends me a message. He's like, hey, man, like, I I don't mean to offend you. I'm like, no, dude, I love it. Like, if, if you don't have that trolling, then you don't have that Nets Knicks rivalry. We need that. We're not going to come up to each other's house and threaten each other, but a little razzing on yeah. Twitter, a little friendly engagement. Who doesn't like that? I think once you get past the idea and realize that people are nice people and you meet them in life and it's just Twitter, it's stupid. It makes it easier. And he's taught me how to be better at trolling on Twitter. Like I've gotten a lot better from just watching him and then using his skills. Like I know how to be really smart and passive aggressive about things now. And people will be like, damn it. Like I had a Nick fan uh I, oh, what's his name i can't remember uh, coonies i think it is and he's like he's, and he tweeted at alex and he goes you created a monster <laughs> it's like it's like yeah but and yeah I'll alex you, is very good at it i'll tell you this alex has the a great troll name because it can't be something long it's got to be alex b i got trolled by alex b on twitter today he can't be trolled by giovanni insert extremely long last name it just doesn't have the same ring to it no nah, he's annoying and then it's ethnic central is also part of the handle so he's just super duper annoying but once you get past that sometimes i sometimes i'll get caught up in the moment 
And then I'll, I'll, that's actually how we met was fighting on Twitter. I think then I realized yeah. this is really stupid. And I started DMing him, whatever the rest of it. But yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. You guys got to he, He's good. He's good. I'll give him that. He's good at it. Bad weather fans. Mike delivers. Those are Mike's podcasts. Thanks for, to everyone for listening to Fireside Nets with Spen, Victoria, and Mike Biseglia, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. Nick should be back next Monday, but just like Nick Claxton's availability, you never know. You never know. And as always, bump, 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 catch you on the fireside.